guys. So today we are chatting with fellow Lyme warrior, Anna. She is the founder of LymeGetsBetter.com. She tells stories of those that are now in remission of Lyme disease. It's a very positive, um, uplifting message. And that's why I'm so excited to have her on today because I really think that she is going to leave a lasting impact on you. I admire her greatly for her strength. Um, And today we're going to be discussing everything from you know, seeing multiple doctors for diagnosis to dating with Lyme disease to why she started Lyme Gets Better. And I hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So here we go. So yeah, so my MO definitely is to be uplifting, but real um, about Lyme, because I do feel like when I first got diagnosed, like, and I was on the internet, like, I just didn't see anything that was positive. Like, I just didn't. Um, and my experience with a support group was very negative. Yeah, that's um, something I want to talk about it when we talk about your story, because I did notice that. Yeah, and so I think that what I always try to put out there, with, whether it's writing or with Lyme Gets Better, is always, like, what I needed to find at certain moments in my journey. Um, so the BuzzFeed thing, I mean, that was definitely a surprise. I did not know it was going to go viral like that. And I'd never written nonfiction before. I'd, I'd spent 10 years writing fiction. I did grad school for fiction. And so it was really interesting to see that that was what my first published piece (laughs) was. It was about Lyme disease. Um, yeah, so it definitely changed the course of my writing career once I saw that people really responded to that and I still get emails about that piece was published over two years ago. I still get emails about it. Um, people asking me mostly about doctors, um, just interesting. And I love being able to just give help that way, you know, cause I was really lost in that process when I started. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, and I wish there was a way, like, when someone got diagnosed, just to, like, send your piece to them automatically because it <laughs> shows that, like, you just describe it so raw and so real. And, like, like I kind of laughed a little bit when I saw there's a line where it was, like, I took these results to useless doctor number three because that's just, like, so perfect. Like, there's so many useless doctors along the way that <laughs> there's, like, yeah. yeah. And I had to edit that piece way down. Like, I mean, there's so much more (laughs) that happened. So many more useless doctors. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked my piece. Yeah, I loved it. So thank you. Um, Okay, well, if you don't mind, do you want to just kind of, like, talk us through your Lyme story and I'll kind of just stop you along the way to, like, chat about certain things and um, dive a little deeper? It's so funny. I haven't thought about it for a while because now that I'm, I've just focused on doing my website Lyme gets better. I don't think I'm not writing right now. So I'm not thinking about my story and I feel like that's actually helpful for my health, which is something I'm learning. If you Um, need to just pull pieces out and kind of ask you about it, I can do it that way too. Whatever works. Yeah, let's do that. I feel like I've forgotten a lot. (laughs) If you just read the article, you might remember more. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that then. Um, 
Well, first of all, so for those listening, no one's actually listening yet, but people will be listening at some point. So for those that are listening, um, I linked this BuzzFeed news piece below that Anna wrote, and it takes us through her experience with Lyme disease, and which unfortunately is like many of our many of ours um, that are listening, where it takes many doctors to get diagnosed, and it's like not the best experience, but. Your opening line was, there's no way to explain illness to someone who hasn't been ill, like seriously ill. It's like saying, enjoy your youth to a teenager. That line just resonated with me so much because I also read deeper in your article that like you lost a lot of friends along the way, unfortunately. And like, it's like when you get married and you say in sickness and in health, I mean, people don't always understand like that when you're sick, there are some things you like really can't help. And like, you're a different person now, obviously, than you were before you got sick, just because you have to change. I mean, you can't function the same way that you used to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that those undiagnosed years for me were two and a half years. And I think that's when I lost some friends because I didn't know what was wrong with me and doctors were saying nothing was wrong with me. Um, so, you know, I would definitely tell my friends how I was feeling, but I also had just like this awful feeling that, oh my God, like maybe nothing's wrong with me. It was just such a mind fuck. Sorry to use language on this, (laughs) but I think that is, that's confusing for people too. Um, I think that I know it's a big narrative, like in the Lyme world that people lose friends and like lose partners. And like, that's definitely true. And it's definitely painful. But now that I'm, you know, six years down the line, I definitely new people came into my life that are totally invaluable to me. And some of those friends that I lost during like the beginning came back into my life. So I think that, um, it's, I don't have the anger that I had before. And this is also with doctors too. And I think this is important. Like it's really hard to understand from the outside Lyme disease. Like there's not awareness in our society about it. Um, And I think that I kind of lowered my expectations over the years of like other people understanding my experience because it was, it just wasted my energy. I think a lot of the anger and just being like, why don't you understand or like trying to make people understand like it just turned out to be wasting my precious. Our energy is precious, Yeah, no, <laughs> you it know? Is. And like, it's okay. It's okay to lose friends. Like that's, that is what happens in life, you know? And I know it's super, super painful and it was really painful for me, but, um, you know, I, new people came into my life that I just feel like are invaluable, invaluable people. So I read just a part of the recently that talked about like, um, how it's not like with friendship, it's not about how long you've known someone. It's about like, basically like how well you like mesh with that person. Like it's very similar to you in the last year since I've been diagnosed, I've met so many people that have become like a handful of people that have become like really good friends to me that either have Lyme or like are just sympathetic isn't the right word, but they like understand it on a different level. Whereas Mm -hmm. like I almost feel like it's more difficult because your friends like 
pre-Lyme, they, like, kind of still expect you to be the same person when, like, you can't possibly be the same person. So it's difficult. And I, like, similar to you, I was, like, very angry about it at first. or like, very hurt, I guess. And then I Mm -hmm. kind of realized, like, I'm only 25, and I can't possibly expect another 25-year-old to understand, like, how it feels to be this sick. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't yeah, push no, through it. Definitely. And people, I mean, I think there's other things too that are, it's like, I haven't had major loss in my life in terms of death. And I think that like grief is a very profound human experience that definitely alters people. And I know that, um, when people have like a partner die or a parent die or, you know, someone very close to them, I think it, that can also be an alienating experience mm-hmm. too. So I found that sometimes the people that I became close with, I mean, there are some people with Lyme that, yeah, definitely we had that bond, but other people who had maybe been through serious like life experiences too, where it just develops an empathy and compassion. Yeah, absolutely. That it all kind of plays into each other and makes you understand that human emotion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I also loved when you were talking about how everyone like thought you were fine because quote, like apparently you can't be seriously ill if you look great. It reminds me. <laughs> of, like, so I've lost like a ton of weight in the last year, just like, cause I've obviously because I've been sick and like, I've lost my appetite and people will come to me like, you look amazing. And I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. Like <laughs> you have no idea. But yeah, people just don't realize. Yeah. And it's like, I definitely, I also lost a lot of weight when I got sick. Like, um, I, this is something I actually had wanted to write about, um, because I looked actually better <laughs> when I got sick. Yeah. And especially once I went on antibiotics, it cleared up my adult acne. I was pretty tan all the time. Cause it, you know, you're photosensitive yeah. and I was a size zero. So I got a lot of attention for how I looked and people would definitely, you know, women would comment like, Oh, how are you? You know, you have such a great body. Like, how do you, and I'm like Lyme disease and they're like, Oh, I want that. And I'm oh like, Oh my gosh, I hate yeah, when I say I, that. Yeah. It makes my, it was really hard. I think it was another thing that like, I've learned to definitely let go of like, yeah. um, because it would really irritate me and, um, I think that that kind of stuff now doesn't bother me anymore. Um, which is good, but I do, I did gain the weight back recently and it's interesting because I used to be so mean to myself about my body. I think a lot of women can relate to this and I will never be mean to my body again, like in my head, you know, like I'll never look at my stomach and be like, Oh, I wish it were thinner, you know? Cause yeah. I just know how precious our bodies are and how hard our bodies are working to keep us alive right now. Yeah. Um, so I think my body, my relationship to my body definitely, definitely changed in this journey. And I actually love my body more than I ever thought possible. It is really incredible to think about the, like, we literally have this, like, internal war going on where our bodies are, like, or this, you know, disease is literally, like, trying to debilitate us and, like, but our body, like, keeps us alive. Like, I just, just, like, now everything I know about Lyme, you're kind of like, holy crap, that's, like, 
actually pretty cool. Like that's pretty amazing that it can even do that. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely learned to like watch my language because I used to say things like, oh, my body hates me today, which would be my way of saying I was sick, really sick today. I had a lot of symptoms, but that's not, you know, like my body was, shows up for me every day, even, you know, the days that I don't want to show up for it. So I think that, um, part of me doing a lot better now has to do a lot with shifting my, um, relationship with my body and my language and even my thoughts inside my head if I can yeah that that definitely makes sense and is a big part of it um so while you were going through the process of like you know you said it took you two years to actually get diagnosed like what was the hardest part of that was it just that like I know for me it was that like nobody like necessarily believed me and like my family did. I was very like thankful for that, but like doctors kind of think you're crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. I think they do, especially if you're a woman. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I was told, like, I no. was told I was attractive way too much by doctors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, it wasn't actually the doctors or, you know, the change in my relationship with friends for me, this is kind of embarrassing, but it was actually being single was the hardest part for me. Um, I was 31 when I got sick and single. And it was a time when a lot of people I knew were getting married, um, you know, or like starting families. And I was just like, how could I possibly date? Like I'm dying right now. Yeah. You know, or like who would want to date me was more like, the thought that would go into my head. Um, and it was just such a profoundly lonely experience, um, that I think it's, it's really been the hardest part of my journey is being single throughout, throughout it. But I think that that also forced me to really learn how to love myself. I, I think that like, trying to, I mean, Lyme is really, really hard, (laughs) you know, it's really, really hard, but I think the more you can start shifting your mindset to just be like, okay, this really sucks, but like, what's the silver lining or like, what am I learning about myself, you know, or what am I learning about the world? It can really help you get through things and like find meaning in it. Cause I think if you don't find meaning in it, it's really, really hard. Yeah. It's like an endurance test. And I think for me, what among other things, like I think I learned from this journey is like how to really love myself. Cause I was really alone in this and, um, and to see how I didn't love myself when I was well, like the ways in which I didn't love my body or, you know, just, you know, the things I would say to myself. Um, so yeah, so it's being single for me was actually the hardest part. I, I could see while maybe a lot of people aren't vocal about that, a lot of people struggling with that. And cause I almost feel like it falls into the category, you know, of the, like being too sick to date and not, um, maybe not being able to, because you feel like you're going through this like crazy journey on your own. You like don't want to drag someone else into it 
And it's almost like, like dating is something that like, not to say we're not normal, but like quote unquote, like normal people do. And it's like a normal person problem. Whereas like, we're just fighting to stay alive, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, so I mean, it takes a lot of, <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to date, it really but I also have seen people that I know find their partners yeah. during the sickest times. Um, so I think that it's totally possible. And then I totally dated during this period. And it's something I always bring up on the first date. Um, and I've actually never really had a problem with that. Um, good. Yeah. Like, I think that if you're just open and like, you're at a place where it's not completely overwhelming to you, like all the time, you know, I think that, um, you know, things happen as human, like human beings get sick, you know, that's part of the human experience. Um, it's natural. and yeah. And I think like, at first when I got sick, I had a lot of sh- like shame or something or hiding. Like it took me a long time to like publicly reveal, um, that I was dealing with Lyme and tick-borne diseases, which is crazy. Cause now I'm so public about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, at first it's like, like I've always been the type of person where I never wanted others to see me like to see me as weak, if that makes sense. Like, so I never shared, like, emotionally what I was going through or, like, physically what I was going through. And it wasn't until I got sick, sick, like, with Lyme and found out about, like, the injustices with Lyme that, like, it just totally changed my perspective that, like, we're not weak. I think we're actually some of the strongest people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, a lot of what I, the messages from the people I've interviewed for Lyme Gets Better is that like, you don't come out of this disease with nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, you come out a lot stronger. I actually like never thought I was a strong person. And then like through this process, I learned that, oh my God, I'm one of the strongest people that I know, you know? And I think what sometimes we perceive as weakness is actually just like an opportunity to be vulnerable with somebody. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. And I wrote a piece for, um, Elle magazine about this, about why I tell my dates on the first date that, um, I'm dealing with Lyme disease is because it's an opportunity. Vulnerability like that is an opportunity for someone to like connect with you. Yeah. You know, even if they don't, have an experience, something like chronic illness, like it just makes you more human and more real. And that's actually a really attractive quality. Absolutely. Believe it or not. Yeah. Hey, I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in your story, I also read that, like, obviously you saw a lot of doctors, a lot of therapists, and, I don't know if I interpreted this correctly, so you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but there are like sometimes where you like refuse to take like the antidepressants or like whatever medication they were trying to put you on. And I think that is such a strong thing and you're such a badass for that because we're taught like just to listen to what like, what, like people of authorities, like doctors or people in medicine tell us. And in reality, sometimes they're wrong and like you do have to say no. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a big awakening that people go through with Lyme. I was, I'm such a like, um, 
kind of like perfect student. Like I always like would go into my doctors, like super organized. And I would always like, you know, look really good. And even though I was like, so, so sick, like I just was always about like, Oh, I'm like, I'm a good patient, you know, like kind of like, and so it was really, really hard for me to do that actually. (laughs) Like to not take, all the, they basically, they, all of them threw antidepressants at me. Um, and you know, when I insisted I wasn't depressed, they said, okay, well, antidepressants, these, you know, I think like Cymbalta or Lyrica, they work for fibromyalgia, you know, and you have fibromyalgia. Um, but I just knew there was a part of me that just like knew like that wasn't true. You know, and I think that that was a part of me that was awakening at that moment where I was like, I'm actually the best authority on my body. And it definitely caused me a lot of stress because I didn't like making these doctors angry, Mm -hmm. you know, but I saw that even when I did act correctly, I still seemed to frustrate them. So then I got to a point where I was like, well, I can't win with these doctors. So I'm not even, you know, like it's okay for me to just keep pushing, you know, like I would kind of start to push back on doctors or go to the next doctor. Um, and that was definitely a learning experience. Like I definitely feel so differently about, um, you know, medical establishment. I mean, I think we all do. (laughs) No, it makes sense. And I don't know. I just thought that that was like incredible. And I also wanted to get into like, I, so you eventually found a doctor that looked at your blood work and was like, you are positive for Lyme. And Mm -hmm. which you said, like you had seen like a quote unquote, like fancy doctor before that, um, never even looked at that. And then you took the test to get like a second opinion and that doctor, like another doctor tried to tell you again that you didn't have Lyme. Yeah. So I think what you're referring to is like about a year into things. So I was living in Brooklyn at the time. I had just gotten, like when I first got sick, I had just moved back from Europe. I'd spent six months abroad and it was definitely like out of the blue. Like I was I came back to New York. I was so happy. I was pumped. I was like full of energy. I was like literally skipping in the streets. And then everything hit me. All my symptoms hit me like a ton of bricks in like the course of a month. Um, so, you know, I started out going to like whoever my primary care physician was like assigned to me by my health insurance. And then, um, I went to another primary care physician and then like rheumatologist. I feel like that's where you go. Yeah. <laughs> rheumatologist. So a rheumatologist gave me a Lyme test. I asked her for it because I had asked a primary care physician for it and he wouldn't give it to me because he was like, Oh, you live in Brooklyn and like, Oh, and there's no Lyme in Europe or something, oh my gosh. which is not true. Um, and I definitely know people who have gotten sick living in New York city. Um, so I think that I could have been exposed there totally. Um, so this rheumatologist gave me just the normal, um, Western blot and it was positive, but she said it was negative. 
but no, she didn't say negative. She said, you don't have Lyme. Like she sat down with me with all these tests she had given me. And so I believed her. I mean, I knew nothing. <laughs> that is just like mind boggling to me though, that like it came back blatantly positive and they were yeah, like, no, you, know what? you don't have this. And someone I interviewed just recently for Lyme Gets Better had the same experience where she had a positive test and the doctor said it was negative. Um, and then I think like six months passed and then I went to an integrative MD who's kind of like a last resort doctor. And she, she saw, I brought on all my paperwork and, um, she saw that test and was like, you have Lyme. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was, re- that was really emotional for me, you know, cause there was like relief knowing what was wrong with me. Um, anger about for this other doctor. Um, and then, so she started me on doxy. She didn't give me an hygienics test. One thing she did give me with the, she said, read the book, cure unknown. And I think that was really good. Cause then I started like learning about, um, you know, how this testing could happen. Cause I was so baffled by that. Um, so I, I think I did like four or five months of doxy. Um, I hurt pretty bad and then I didn't feel better. And then she said, well, I guess you don't have Lyme. And then she told me to see a cognitive behavioral therapist. What? Yeah. And I think that was, I think of all the experiences I had with doctors, I think that was the most destructive Yeah, because I'd already been through so much. I also had recently been attacked, a super random act of violence. Um, I was going home a lot to stay with my parents in San Francisco because I just couldn't function. Yeah. And one day... I had a, I had these horrible migraines then. So for me, fatigue was the biggest one, like just fatigue. You can't even describe to someone who hasn't experienced it. Yeah. So I would be in bed all day at my parents and then I would try to like go for a walk around the block once a day. And that day it was like a horrible migraine, but I like got outside. It was still daylight and five guys daylight right in front of my parents' house beat me up for no reason. So I think that when we go through something like Lyme, which is a longer journey, you know, it's a pretty long journey, mm-hmm. other things happen in life that can compound that. Absolutely. You know, you know, so like I was, I think that was my low, like that was definitely my low. And when that doctor, and then I saw that doctor at that time and it just was like, it just sort of pushed me over the edge when she just was like, go to see a therapist. I just, you know, I, I kind of like quit for a while. (laughs) And I think like those are that kind of year that passed. I don't really have a really good memory of like, I think I just was like, it was just like animal survival. And I'm sure people can relate to that listening. You know, it's like, you're not even human feeling like you're so sick. And like, I, I didn't even know what to do. And I was too exhausted. 
I was just so exhausted, like mentally, physically, like it just was too much, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you have to just walk away and take a break. And I mean, cause on the very, on the most basic level, you really are just trying to survive. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, I, I'm trying to think like how I got motivated again. I, Oh, you know what it was? I had dinner with a friend of mine who was like, just a really close friend that I would never see that often. And I was like, okay, I need to get out of the house. Like I need to just make myself walk four blocks to meet him for dinner. And it was really, really hard for me just to walk a few blocks. Um, which to me now is unimaginable Yeah, because I'm doing so much better. But, um, and he was like, you can't give up on yourself. And you have to be your own best advocate. Yeah. And he's like, no one's going to do it for you. Like, it's up to you. You know, because I just was like, I felt so alone. And like, my parents were across the country. Yeah. And like, that kind of pep talk to me was like, yeah, like I, this is up to me. Like, I don't want it to be up to me, but it is. Yeah. You know, and I do need to be my greatest advocate. Yeah. So that kind of started the inquiry again, where I like found another primary care physician, had a conversation about fibromyalgia with her. And then, um, what was interesting is that a friend of mine, I had one close friend who was really with me, Margaret, through that whole period. And she had a lot, she took a lot of phone calls of me crying (laughs) late at night. And, um, she was like, Oh, I know this woman who also has fibromyalgia and I was like oh let me talk to her because how do you live with this yeah. you know fibromyalgia they're like there's no cure like you know and I kind of was like I can't live like this like how does this person live like this and then I got on the phone with her and she's like actually I have neurological Lyme oh my gosh and then then I just was like okay something's up. And then I took out my test results and I asked her, like we had the same positive bands, you know, on the Western block. And then I was like, okay, like now I'm going to find a line literate doctor. I, you know, and that like, thank God for her because that actually set me in the right direction. And then, you know, ever since then I've been in the right direction. But, um, how did you go about finding, I don't know if you've seen multiple LMDs, but like, how did you go about finding your first Lyme literate doctor? Cause I know that's such a confusing thing. Like, or at least for me, it w- I was like, wait, yeah, I have to go to this like special, you know what I mean? It's just so confusing. <laughs> yeah. It's like very, very confusing. Um, well, this actually kind of brings a conversation back to the support group. So when I was with the integrative doctor for four months, who had me in doxycycline, um, she suggested a support group. So I went and I left before the meeting was over because I was so terrified and upset yeah. uh, by what the other people had shared. Um, in that particular support group, I felt like there was a lot of ranting going on mm-hmm. and um, a lot of ranting about like 
first of all, like, you know, the CDC, right? And then a lot of ranting about, like, not getting better. And then just scary stories, which are just scary. Like, it is scary to hear people going blind or having seizures. And some people there did look really sick. And I just was really, really overwhelmed by that experience. And there was nothing positive. I mean, I don't want to say like positive can be such a flaky word sometimes, but there was, I just had a really strong reaction to that. Like to all the like ranting, like you'll never get better kind of talk. And I left and I think that's sad because I think I could have had, I stayed in that support group, you know, and that doctor, you know, she like, told me to go see a therapist, they could have been like, wait, like, let's look at your tests. Let's get you to a a better LMD, you know? Yeah. But a year passed. And then when I spoke with the woman on the phone who had neurological Lyme, I contacted someone by email in the support group, like the organizer. And she told me what doctor to go to in New York. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So like it did you know, the support group definitely like served a function for me, but not when I was actually in it. Yeah. Just <laughs> um, not the same as everyone else. <laughs> yeah. It just was unfortunate, but, um, yeah. So I started seeing a doctor in New York city. Um, I saw him for about six months. Um, when I started medication, things went really, really, they were really, really hard. And I flew home to my parents in San Francisco a lot. Um, and then I think at the six month period, he wanted me to go on IV antibiotics Okay. and there was just something in me that felt like that was the wrong answer for me. And I, at that point I started, was starting to really trust my body and like what my body was telling me and my intuition. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? my mom was like, there's this really good doctor in San Francisco. And so I got a second opinion with him and he was like, no, you definitely don't need IV antibiotics. Like you need to deal with your co-infections. And I really liked this doctor and I felt like he seemed very professional and like, I just felt like that's what I needed at the time. And I already was like, New York wasn't working for me. (laughs) Like it was so clear, even though I was really hanging on to New York because I'd been there for 15 years and it was my home. But at that point I just was like, you know what? I am too sick to be here and to deal with the subway and to be living alone. So I moved back to San Francisco and to my parents and started seeing this doctor, um, who gave me, you know, heavy duty courses of antibiotics, but they weren't IV antibiotics. And, um, so that's how I ended up back in San Francisco. And now it's been almost, it's two and a half years since I've been back here. Oh, wow. How are you feeling now? I feel pretty good. Um, I definitely like, it's really hard for me to put myself back into the place that I was in because yeah. it was so sick. And like, um, sometimes my mom is kind of the best reminder. She's just like, you were at our house for months, unable to like 
really get outside, you know, and now I like, you know, I do like dance, two hour dance classes. I'm off all antibiotics, all antimalarials. Um, I definitely am not there yet, but I am just like mentally really healthy. Um, and I'm really getting there. Like I don't have the extreme fatigue anymore. Um, I don't have some, there's some symptoms that are gone, like body aches, facial numbness. Um, I still have a little brain fog, but I definitely am like feeling way, way better, way, way better. Well, that's so good to hear. And it, I definitely think, I think it gives a lot of us like hope that are still trying to get, like, I definitely am so much better than I was a year ago. And I'm so thankful for that, but I think there's still like a long way to go for everyone. And just hearing that somebody like is on their way there gives us a lot of hope. Um, kind of like Lyme gets better. So (laughs) what like ultimately drove you to start Lyme gets better? I think it's a couple things. I think that, um, so I launched the website in January. You can find it at www.limegetsbetter.com. And I will link below. Oh, cool. And um, I spent the year before that writing a lot and mostly about Lyme and just getting a lot of rejection, like not getting anything published. And I was really frustrated about that because I do feel like a little bit on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I was really sick of having to go through a gatekeeper to get something out there. Um, so then I kind of had that impulse to like, not want to have to go through somebody to get something online, you know, like, you know, if you want to get a piece published with like a publication, they have to accept it and all that. And I just was, um, that wasn't happening. And then, um, I think I like literally woke up from a nap one day and had the idea. (laughs) I love that. So like I take a nap every day. Um, it's still like something is that's part of my, like just like energy, not having as much energy as I'd like. And, um, so that nap paid off. (laughs) Um, And I also was really, I mean, the idea came from, So I don't know if you know the It Gets Better campaign that Dan Savage and his husband, Terry Miller, has. Um, It's like videos that of older LGBTQ people like speaking to like younger, like gay and trans kids. And it's just being like, it gets better. Like, look at me and Terry. Like, we're married now. We have a son. And it just is like to give hope to like, you know, people who are like younger and struggling um, being bullied or, you know, even suicidal, that yeah, like absolutely. it gets better. So I definitely am indebted to them because the idea came from them. Cause I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice? Like when I'm well, like I can make a little video and put yeah. it on like YouTube and I'm not there yet, but I was like, Oh, like I do know a few people who are in remission and I don't have to, I could just like, everyone's like, it's super easy to make a website. And I was like, okay. I'm like very not tech savvy, but I was like, okay, like this will be a good project because I haven't been working. Um, and so I needed like something to do, you know? So 
um, yeah, I guess that's, that's how the origin story of that. (laughs) Is there a particular story or like part of a story or a quote that has like stuck with you from all of your interviews for Lime Gets Better? Um, gosh, there's so much in each of them. I mean, Anton, she's the first one on there and she is the person that I spoke to when I was really sick and really hopeless. I just moved back in with my parents. Um, and she was a friend of a family friend and we spoke on the phone and she was the first person I ever spoke to who was like in remission from Lyme and just some of the things she told me in our conversation really kept me going through like the hardest parts. Um, so in a way she was kind of an inspiration too for this because like I knew how important her story was for me because I had, I had been Googling for people who are in remission from Lyme and I never came up with anybody. Um, this was like a few years ago. Yeah. And so, I just, I personally just needed to hear that you can get better. Like I needed to hear it like from someone who did get better. Um, and that was very powerful in my own healing journey. Um, and so, so yeah, so like I interviewed her, um, I really, really love Amy's interview. Um, she's someone I also work with. Like I do energy therapy with her. Um, And I think for me, what's made a huge difference, especially this last year, is sort of looking at um, emotional and energetic pieces um, to the illness or like to why I'm, you know, been dealing with this. And that's been really profound for me. So I think what she has to say is super, super interesting. Um, I know that like working with her, Um, I've definitely learned a lot about, um, just like, I think for me, one of the most important things has been to get out of like victim mentality, if that makes sense. Like, I think that, you know, like with all of the, that goes on with the CDC and all those things, like we can really, really latch onto them. And I definitely went through a period where I was really, really angry and infuriated about that and all the doctors that screwed me over, you know, but like, that's actually a super disempowering position to take, Yeah. you know, like, um, I think that getting sick is really disempowering, you know, like you're not in control, like I think for me, when I was attacked, that was just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, like, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was like a really easy place for me to fall into victim at that point. Like, can you believe like, I just got beat up or like, no one understands this illness, like all this stuff. It was really easy default for me to go into that. And that's not... I, I personally don't think you can stay in the energy of victim and get well, like from something like Lyme disease. So I'm pretty like on this like empowerment trip right now. And I've been interviewing people who have pretty strong messages like for the Lyme community about, I don't know, some of the things we do that don't always serve us. Um, and I think that's been really interesting. Um, 
I think that I'm starting to know that I haven't interviewed enough people to like, um, pick out commonalities, but I think mindset is really, really huge and not getting stuck in this like sick identity. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I think it can be really difficult because you do, like you said, there is a lot to be angry about and it's very mm-hmm. easy to slip into that and let that become your identity. And I think it takes time, but it's not until you realize that the best thing you can do for yourself and for others is to like share your story and make your voice heard and bring attention to it like you're doing. And that's really the most helpful thing. It's not being angry. I don't know if that makes sense. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I definitely think that it's important to like to hold on to things that or do things that aren't related to Lyme, you know, if, if you can, um, you know, like, I think like it can be really hard because you can really kind of fall out of life because you are so sick. Yeah. But I think it's important to hang on to a vision of life. That's like not about Lyme. Yeah. You know, like, Like you don't maybe need to be talking about it as much as you do. Like I'm going to throw that out there as an invitation. Um, I definitely, I think like I'm saying this from my experience is kind of like experimenting as like, okay, what would happen if I didn't talk about it so much or didn't complain about it so much? I'm not talking about like suppressing your feelings or anything like that, but just like, turning my focus to other things. And I think that when I turn my focus to stories of remission, instead of writing my story of illness, things started shifting for me. And I started seeing how many people are in remission. I can't tell you, like I find so many people in remission now, (laughs) now that I'm actually (laughs) looking for that. It's crazy. Like it's totally, totally possible. And I mean, I think that, we still obviously need a cure and better drugs. I'm like, I can't wait to the day that for the day where I don't have to do this website anymore, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause it's not such a like puzzle to figure out how to get better. Um, but I think basically my intention behind this is just to really empower people that to really just like take responsibility for your healing and try try to go with what feels good for you. Like all the people that I've interviewed got well doing different things, you know? So like, it's it's not, yeah. I mean, everybody's different. We don't have like one monolithic cure. And I think that once I started paying more attention to like what felt right to me, you know, it was like a yes or no to my body. That's when I started getting better you know, when I really, really took responsibility and like said no to some things doctors were saying, or like, if I didn't like a doctor, I'd leave or I'd try something alternative, like energy therapy, you know, just keeping an open mind. Cause that really works for me, but it might not work for somebody else. So I think that I'm hoping to inspire people to really just like, number one, keep going. Cause that's how you get well. You have to just keep going and showing up for yourself. And to like find what works for you. Absolutely. 
Well, I think that is the perfect note to end on because my last question for you actually was, do you have any words of wisdom for Limey's listening? And I think that gives people a lot of hope and is a very positive note. So thank you for that. I think that like, I didn't mean to come across as a voice of like tough love <laughs> for the no, Lime community. I don't think you did. Okay. But like tough love is still love. And I just do have so much compassion for what everyone's going through. And, um, I know how scary it is. Like, I think fear is huge. Um, and I think I'll leave with like one thing a woman told me who's in remission. She said like, it's okay to be afraid, but not stay afraid. That makes, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And I thought that was really helpful for me because for me, fear was one of the biggest things I had to deal with. Um, it is scary. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is scary, but you just have to keep like going. I am so happy that Anna could join us today. If you want to read some of her interviews, um, head to limegetsbetter.com. They're phenomenal. I highly recommend them. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, just want to connect, shoot me a message at Allie T. Moresco on Instagram. So till next time, have a good week. Hope everyone listening is feeling okay. And I will talk to you later. Bye.